Hi, my name's Clayton, and you're listening to the Isaiah 43 podcast, where we explore how God has formed us, redeemed us, and how He calls us today. Each week, we will journey through Scripture to understand all that God has done and what exactly His call is for our lives today. Welcome to week 51, a Bible study week, where we examine Scripture and its application to our lives. In the early 1960s, Father Pellegrino Ornetti and priest Francois Brun rode together in a small gondola in the waterways of Venice, Italy. Since they had a long ride ahead of them, the two men began chatting. They discussed their love of ancient languages, which both men were fluent in. Next, they discussed interest in history and sciences before discussing the Bible. The conversation turned to the various interpretations of the Bible. During this conversation, Ornetti interrupted Brune at one point and said, There's nothing to interpret. It's possible to see what actually happened, to see the truth with your own eyes. Now, Brune thought Ernetti was just joking around, but Ernetti insisted that he was serious. He told Brune that during the 1950s, he had worked alongside Nobel Prize-winning physics scientist Enrico Fermi and former Nazi rocket scientist Warner von Braun, plus 10 other scientists to help develop the chronovisor. This device isn't your typical time machine. The chronovisor received signals of light and sounds through various wavelengths and allowed the viewers to witness events in the past, including the crucifixion of Christ. Brune may have been skeptical, but Ernetti told him, I have proof that it works. He told him about how he observed Cicero's speech to the Roman Senate in 63 BC. And then, in 1972, an Italian magazine released an article titled, a machine that photographs the past has finally been invented. The magazine went one step further than Ernetti did and provided pictures alongside the article. Pictures of Jesus walking with his disciples, a picture of Christ's crucifixion, and a private picture of the Last Supper that Ernetti had saved for himself. Until he died in 1994, Ernetti was adamant that this was a real device and that they had been sworn to secrecy by Pope Pius VII to not speak of the device they had made because it could, quote, restrain the freedom of man, end quote. In 1988, under the direction of Pope John Paul II, the Vatican declared that using the time machine or anything like the chronovisor would be strictly prohibited. They said, quote, anyone using an instrument of such characteristics would be excommunicated, end quote. For now, the chronovisor is said to have been locked away deep in the Vatican archives. Now, why did I share all of this with you today? What was the purpose of telling of the Vatican's secret time machine? Well, it brings us to the topic that we are going to discuss today, time travel. Is time travel possible according to the Bible? As someone who has spent the majority of their life devoted to the study of history, I very desperately want the, the answer to be yes. However... We have to examine what Scripture has to say. And if Scripture, God's holy word, says it's not possible, then it's not possible. But before we begin diving into anything, let us pray. Father, we come before you today and we, we thank you for all your many blessings, Lord. You have provided for us in ways that we just can't comprehend, Lord. Things that we have prayed for for years and years, Lord. You have finally blessed us with. And if we haven't been blessed with these things yet, Lord... Remind us to be patient, and that you'll work all things out in the way that they should go, Lord. You have a divine plan that cannot be deterred by mankind, Lord. And please, let us remember through this study today that you are sovereign, Lord, and that you 
are in control of all things, and everything that happens, whether it's good or bad, Lord, you have a purpose for it, and you have a reason why these things happen. Let us remember that, Lord. For those who are hurting or in a dark place, Father, I pray you will be with them. I pray you will touch their heart and let them see your light and receive your peace and your mercy in ways that they couldn't even have comprehended, Lord. Please be with us now in the midst of our struggles. Remind us that you are there. Remind our loved ones who may be estranged from you, Father, or estranged from ourselves, who just need you, Lord. Be with them too. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, where can we turn to begin diving into the topic properly? First, we have to come to immediately recognize that there is nowhere in Scripture where it says anything directly about time machines or time travel. Second, we have to start looking at what the Bible says about time, specifically God's involvement and how mankind can interfere with that. We have to understand first that God is outside of our perception of time. He is eternal and infinite. We are temporary and finite. God was there before the foundation of the world, and it was then that he laid out a plan that could not be changed or altered. Let's read about that now. As always, we will be reading from the ESV or English Standard Version of the Bible. We'll be reading Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 12. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the purpose, the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. We see first here in these verses that before the foundation of the world, before our very beginning of time, God had a plan. He chose us for adoption as his sons and daughters. He created a divine plan of redemption. If God is sovereign, then his plan cannot be messed with by human hands. His will, as we have read, is immutable. It does not change. God knows every event that has ever happened and will ever unfold. Now, the Bible teaches us that God has this plan and that everything goes exactly according to this plan. We'll read a couple of verses now that highlight this. Next, let's turn to Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50, verses 19 through 21. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. In our first instance here, we see that even the evilness of Joseph's brothers who desired to do him harm was all part of God's plan that would bring about some kind of good. 
we know that this is exactly what God does all of the time. It was not a matter of Joseph's brothers selling him into slavery and everything that they did to him, and God had to change up his plans in order to accommodate for this change. No. Joseph makes it clear that all along God had a plan to work all things out. Next, I want to read another account. In Genesis chapter 21, we read about Sarah giving birth to Isaac. We discussed this promise back in week 48, so we will only slightly go over this again. Let's read it again. Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 through 7. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Remember that during this time, Sarah didn't believe that she could give birth to a child after God had promised that she would give birth to the one. So she gave to Abraham one of her servants so that she could try to fulfill God's plan. Even Sarah giving Abraham her servant to have a child, a seemingly big obstacle to God's plan, was not an obstacle at all. God promised it, and God fulfilled his promise. No amount of human action can change God's will. Everything is in God's control, even if time travel was possible, and humanity couldn't change or interfere with his plan. Now, so far, we haven't seen or discussed anything that indicates that time travel is possible, according to Scripture. The truth is that there is nothing in it to indicate that it is possible. As of right now, however, all time travel theories are only theoretical. We're not even close to developing the technology possible. A very interesting article posted on the Institute for Creation Research dives deeply into the fact that time travel is essentially impossible. I will link the article in the episode's description if you're interested, but for now, I will briefly cite the article. They write, quote, The Bible also seems to indicate that time travel into the past is not possible for human beings. God alone is beyond time, and hence He alone knows the future. In Isaiah 46, verses 9-10, through 10, the Lord says, I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done. Only God can say at a given time what will certainly happen at a later time. Humans can only make educated guesses. But if time travel into the past were possible, then we could simply jump back to 1970 and know with certainty what will happen over the next four and a half decades. This contradicts God's claim that he alone can declare those things that have not yet happened. Also, in regard to his coming, Jesus said, But of that day and hour no one knows, but my Father only. But if we could travel through time, we could jump ahead to the moment of his return and then come back to the present. Then we too could know the day and the hour. Of course, God is beyond time and could move a person forward or backwards through time in a self-consistent way without any paradoxes. He has full knowledge of the past, present, and future. 
but our human ability to time travel is quite limited, end quote. God is in control of all of time, all the time. He is the only one who orchestrates the flow and direction of time. Everything is, as the old song goes, in his hands. And as scripture teaches us, nothing can pluck it from his hands. However, all of this makes perfect sense until we stop and read the books of Daniel or Revelation. One may argue that these books showcases instances of time travel in scripture. Daniel and the Apostle John were both given visions of the future. Let's read about those real quick so we can properly understand what we we're talking about. First, we need to read about Daniel's account in Daniel chapter 7. So Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 through 27. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious, and the visions of my head alarmed me. I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of the things. These four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever and ever. Then I desired to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the rest, exceedingly terrifying with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze, and which devoured and broke into pieces and stamped what was left with its feet, and about the ten horns that were on its head and the other horn that came up and before which three of them fell, the horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things that seemed greater than its companions. As I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them, until the Ancient of Days came and the judgment was given for the saints of the Most High, and the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, As for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all the kingdoms, and it shall devour the whole earth and trample it down and break it into pieces. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings shall arise and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the former ones and shall put down three kings. He shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and shall think to change the times and the law and they shall be given into his hands for a time, times, and half a time. But the court shall sit in judgment and his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey him. Here, in these verses, Daniel is shown the coming of the Son of Man, and the rise and fall of various empires throughout history. So then, is Daniel the first person in history to have time travel? <laughs> what about the Apostle John? Let's read Revelation 22, verses 1-13. through 13. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants shall worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, 
and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the word of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, You mustn't not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. And he said to me, Do not still up the words of this prophecy of this book, for the time is near. For the evildoers still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous shall do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me, to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. This is the best instance to highlight that John was seeing future events and where the argument could be made that he was time-traveling. Now here's the fact of the matter. Daniel and John were both giving special visions to highlight that this is what happened. They both testify that they were having visions. The Bible's headings for both of these chapters say visions, not time travel or teleporting through time or anything like that. There are visions as indicated by Scripture, plain and simple. Now before we wrap up today, let's go back to the story of the chronovisor that I opened today's episode with. Did it happen? Is the chronovisor real? No. As cool as it would be, there is no credible evidence to support its existence. While Arnetti and Brune were respectful men who have never denied the existence of the device, although there is some debate on that too, the evidence against the device is simply too strong in my opinion. So what about the pictures that they provided? Well, they were fakes. They were images of replicas of statues from churches and pictures of Italian postcards that were reversed. And what about the Catholic Church's condemnation of anyone who uses such a device? I first heard about the story of the chronovisor from my favorite YouTube channel slash podcast, The Y-Files. But despite their intense research, they never mentioned that this quote couldn't be found anywhere. I searched and searched everywhere. I even enlisted the help of artificial intelligence to search for the official declaration from the Catholic Church. Nothing. Multiple sites mentioned the quote but none of them provide a clear source for this quote. I couldn't find any official document or statement from the Vatican regarding the chronovisor or any time travel device. This quote that has been circulated on the internet is likely just a rumor. Or it could have just been a misinterpretation of a statement made by the Vatican in September of 1988 called the Decretum de Sacramenti pa inter intai Digadante to Inda. I probably butchered that, but you get the point. Despite that being a mouthful, the statement declares, quote, anyone who by, any, by means of any technical device makes a recording of what the priest or the penitent says in a sacramental confession, either real or simulated, by oneself or by another person, or who divulges it through the means of social communication, incurs excommunication, end quote. That's the closest quote that I could find. The last bit of evidence against the chronovisor is that neither Ornetti nor any of the other scientists ever shared any detailed schematics beyond what it looked like and how it operated on wavelengths and projected images for viewing events. 
It's also quite curious that the description of the chronovisor shared an uncanny resemblance to a time travel device described in a 1947 sci-fi novel. So as we wrap up today, we can clearly see that the story of the chronovisor is simply not true. I think, however, the idea behind it is not far-fetched. A family member of mine once told me that he didn't believe God would allow such technology to ever exist because of the devastating effects that it could have on the world. Maybe he's right, but I think there's a deeper truth to that. I think we could create this type of technology, but in no way could we ever change God's will or his plan. He is in control of all of time, and only he can change it should he ever decide to do so. Furthermore, it's like we read in the brief excerpt from the Institution for Creation Research. Nothing can contradict God, and he is the only one who knows all of time from beginning to end. But I think rather than focusing on time travel, and as cool as that would be to go back in time to meet historical figures we would love to interact with, or to live in a time period that excites us, ultimately we must focus on the time that we are in here and now. It may be a cliche, but it's like the old saying goes that today is a gift, and that's why it's called the present. I think at a deeper level, we want time travel to be real, because we want a second chance at things. We want to go through our life fixing our mistakes. Yet reality tells us that we only get one life. There are no redos. So instead, let us pray the prayer of Moses in Psalm 90, verse 12, when he says, So teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Let's remember these words as we go forward. Until we meet again next Friday for our one-year celebration, may the Lord bless you and keep you. God bless. God bless.